Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Just wave to me and smile. Let me just... Yes, wow. Let's just watch a little video together first. While we are facing a COVID-19 pandemic in a world right now, there's been a silent pandemic plaguing us for many generations. All around the world today, there are people in our churches, businesses, governments, and even in our homes that are operating out of an orphan spirit. Papa God has adopted us as sons and daughters. We are heirs of the inheritance of King Jesus. But there is an entire generation who are living as orphans, not as sons and daughters of glory. And they are currently 3.4 billion people who have very little access to the gospel message, the good news. And 1.7 billion people, they have no access to the gospel at all. So while we wait for the second coming of Jesus, they have never heard about the first. What would the world look like if the sons and daughters of glory they held prominent positions in society. How would the lives of every human change if we truly understood the depths of our Father's love for us? What if we all understood our identity? What would the world change if we all love like Jesus? People are Papa God's number one priority and He wants His kids back. His desire is that his sons and daughters would shed the lies and the stronghold that hinder love and step into the true identity as ambassadors of love to a world searching for a God that looks like Jesus. All of creation is longing for the entire manifestations of the sons and daughters of glory. The time for reformation is here. A tsunami wave of love is coming, and the world as we know it will never be the same. The orphan spirit has plagued our world by causing sons and daughters to believe that they are insignificant and causing the family to believe they are homeless. Papa God wants one billion new sons and daughters to enter his kingdom, and the Agatha Reformation is bringing a tsunami wave of love that will transform God's people and the world forever. Orphans will stand up and take their rightful place as heirs of the kingdom and will find their place at the table in the family of God. Family is what the kingdom looks like and Papa God wants his family back. This reformation, this Agatha reformation will be a revival that we've never seen on this earth. It will transform culture, government, and education, and will radically affect every sphere of society. Because when love moves in, fear moves out. 
Oh, it is time to take our place as ambassadors of love and show the world a God that looks like and sounds like and feels like Jesus. It is time for the Agape Reformation. Before I start, uh, <clears throat> I'm just kind of clearing up my voice a little bit. Uh, I'm on the other side of COVID, but still uh, working on my lungs. So my voice will get better and better and stronger and stronger as I go along. How many of you believe that? Yes. I do feel that I want to, first of all, just to thank you and thank you, my spiritual family. Uh, Bethel is my home. And uh, actually, this was one of those times that they often say, hey, when you have any opening or anything else. But this time I said that when you guys have any opening or any one of you want to give up a slot, but I'm going to be home and I feel I have a message and I do feel like I wanted to share with the family. And I wanted to thank both Steve. Can we give Steve... Steve and, Lin, Steve and Lindy, let's give them a good hand as a... I was thinking about it yesterday, the first time we met. Uh, actually, it was uh, Chris Vallotton, uh, Bill Johnson, and uh, Danny Silk. They were going to do an event in Noonan. And I got a call, and they said that Bill couldn't come. So if I could come and, and join them. And so we met together there for the first time and got connected, started to hear about some of our their heart and some of their dream and just about this beautiful, beautiful family. And over a period of time, we came from Florence, Alabama, and we were visiting here. And you were in a totally different building, and, and we kind of been homeless ever since. I, I feel almost like this is a big upgrade. We went from the open air back to the tent again. And I just remember tent or discontent, which tent do we live in? And we're going to live in that uh, content. And but wow, what an upgrade when the building is going to be ready. And imagine this kind of a group of people hungry in a tent. And there's days that I came here muddy home and uh, had to clean the car several different times. There's these amazing stories like being on the mission field. <laughs> I mean, but I, I just love the way that you worship. I was standing there just being overwhelmed because I do realizing that, uh, first of all, we're going to talk a little bit about mission. I'm going to share a little bit on my heart today, but I, I just sensing there's something in the way this family is worshiping. And, but that's also connected because it is the only eternal activity that we are doing here. Let me say that one more time. Worship is the only eternal activity we are doing here. And I know some of you wanted to raise your hand and we could have a question and answering time or debate about it. But since I have the microphone, I get to say some of those things. <clears throat> Everything else that we do is temporary. Like I'm involved in mission. I go into the darkest places in the world. But all of those are temporary. And they exist for one purpose and that is worship. Including our giving evangelism, what we're going to do on Saturday when we're heading up to Clarkson. All of those things are temporary necessity and they exist for one purpose and that is worship. Because when we get to heaven, we're not going to have to give, we're not going to evangelize, we're not going to disciple, we're not going to build churches. The only thing we're going to do for eternity is worship. 
And I just sensing so overwhelmed that soon we are going to be able to be among people. God started with a family and he ends with a family represented from every nation, every tongue, every tribe, every language, and they're worshiping before him. And I'm just going to be a little kind of a heart to heart because I'm, I'm sensing on the inside, I'm kind of a torn. There is this one sense of me that just have some of the greatest joy. It, it reminds me about this year, 2020. 2020 has kind of been the best and the worst year. I don't know if you've had it. And I feel even what's going on inside myself right now, that uh, last night I just had these incredible downloads and met with Jesus this morning, incredible downloads. And then we got a couple of call and text this morning that just hits you and you're carrying it and you're kind of in the middle of it. It reminds me about this last year. But it also reminds me a little bit about what is going on in the world. And I know some of us have total an eschatology, meaning an end-time worldview that, or some of us have been looking at the watch, kind of a stat on the bus stop, hoping the bus is going to come and take us out <laughs> before somebody is being into the White House or other people are. I mean, so different people are responding in different way in the middle of this season. And many people, we have said, come Jesus, come. While Jesus is saying, go church, go. <laughs> uh, because I am not coming until you are going. So I'm just saying that for any one of us, I, I am not going in and talking about, but all I wanted for us as God's people, primary this morning, I have one assignment. It is for every single one of my family here, every single one of us to be able to answer three questions precisely. Number one, what time is it? Say that with me. And I am not talking about Kronos or the watch that, oh, right now it is quarter past 11. I am talking about, if you're looking for me, eternity past into eternity future and we're bringing us right here to Bethel Atlanta the way we are worshiping here how does that affect the bigger picture of what God is doing in the world today so somebody's tears here is producing rain in the Middle East it's called quantum worship the very thing that we do in the small here can affect the weather pattern in the spiritual realm and creating tipping points so the way we hold our hands is very differently for the people that understand the time. It's called also an Issachar anointing. And the Issachar anointing, they understood their time, but they also knew what to do. And that's what Steve would describe. And there were some wise men. These wise men and wise men still know how to find Jesus. And wise men still know how to bring gifts to Jesus. And then there is wise and then there's foolish virgins. The wise virgins right now, they're cultivating oil of intimacy with their lover so that they are burning brightly without burning out. Because if you're not burning oil, you're going to start to burn flesh. And it doesn't smell so good. I have been there lately and I'm, oh, that smells like flesh. And it is time sometimes to going into the secret place to get secrets again. And then what you get in the secret is also what is going to be revealed in the open. So say, what time is it? The second question that all of us are going to answer is, what is God doing? What, say, what, God, what is God doing? In my generation. Let's say that one more time. And my heart is that every single one of us as sons and daughters of glory is going to first of all understand specifically the time that we're living in, just like the wise men. And that we're also going to understand what God is doing. And right now I'm hearing a lot of news and I'm watching a lot of tweets and a lot of social media is talking about what the enemy is doing. 
And there's a lot of people that are talking about the thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Why Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. And then there's other believers. They are focusing on what God is not doing because they do not know what God is doing. And they are asking God to bless what they are doing because they don't know what God is blessing. Could I say that one more time? There's a lot of people right now, they're right there and asking God, uh, bless what I am doing. Bless this and bless that and bless that. Instead of getting in on what God is blessing. But if you don't understand the time, and if you do not know as a saying, where you fit into God's big picture, what generation that we are living in. And the third one, it is say, where do I fit in? How do you, just an ordinary person like you, if you are a school teacher, you would say, thank God it is Monday. If you are a movie maker, that every single one of us, that if you see a fire, then in the next moment, uh, we are certainly now focusing on the firefighters because they are stepping into the redemptive purposes of God and they are doing something with the problem. So we're representing good news in everything that we do. So the school teachers going into the classroom, thank God it is Monday. And the firefighters, or here's these police that are willing to give their life for. Here's some of these people that are standing up for injustice. What we are doing, we're representing good news. And every single one of us, this is the beautiful part of it, is that we do not have a darkness problem in the world, but lack of light. And I'm just here to kind of share my heart with my family today, because there's the one side of me that just sensing that the Father is birthing something new. And I want us all to be in on what God is doing. Say, understand the time? What God is doing? And how I'm going to invest my time? Say time. Talent and treasure. Right. Congratulations. Last night, I was just spending some time in the presence, preparing actually for us. I had a couple of uh, conversations this week. One of them was actually the mission committee. It started with Ron and Carol. They said, could we come over to the office and just spend some time with you and just ask some questions? And for me, it was a great joy. They're precious, precious friends. And we sat there and they started to ask questions about the persecution and what's going on in the world. And I just started to pour my heart. And they just sat there and tears in their eyes just started, it's like, wow. We need for the rest of the mission, mission board. I, I want them also to hear this. It's like everybody needs to hear this. You could feel that. And so we were just again, we went back again and met with a mission committee. And Lauren actually on her birthday spent half of her, at least before her birthday luncheon. Lauren came in and we were sitting there and again I started to share. For me it's just so normal to be able to share about here's the time that we're living in. And here's what God is doing. And this is why when I wake up in the morning in the middle of everything that is going on, how I'm able to come into an alignment for his assignment. And sometimes when you're out of that, I start to sense I'm no longer burning oils. I'm getting back into my lane. What I was born to do. Because your anointing rests upon your assignment. And your assignment is totally connected to your alignment. But then there was this thing, even as we were worshiping today and worthy and started to sense this worship of Jesus. It's almost like I had this picture and I saw there in heaven, there was all these incredible big gaps and I was just feeling the heart of the father. It was almost like these big black spots in heaven. 
And I saw at first there was a lot of multitudes, but I couldn't get over these spots. And then I just realizing that there's people there that God is just waiting right now to fill in heaven. There's places in heaven that is, he's just waiting for them. And so we've gone through a year of a lot of shaking. How many of you have experienced the shaking? And I just wanted to encourage you in the middle of all this shaking, let go. Let me say that again. Anything you're holding on to in this season, just let go. So that the only thing that is unshakable is going to stand. And when the orphan heart and the orphan spirit, it is fear for the future, shame for today, and guilt from yesterday. So what the orphan is looking at is all the different things that you should have done and his guilt. Or looking in the mirror today and the enemy is pointing out who you are not. What Papa is trying to tell you who you are. And then when you're looking into the future, there is fear for the future. And that's why I think it is so important for us as a family, as sons and daughters of glory, to stepping into who we are as beloved sons and daughters, to wake up with an A plus on your report card before you take the exam. Why would you want to live from pressure when you can live from the Father's pleasure? And it is going to be, there's a war against identity in this season. I don't know if you're realizing it, but if you put your head on the ground and you're hearing the sound of creation that is crying out, am I valuable? Is there a purpose for me? Who am I? You can hear it and I can see it on the YouTube. I see the whole creation right now. There's this cry of the orphan heart and the orphan spirit all over the world. And creation right now is just moaning and groaning for the very manifestations of the sons and daughters of God. Where are the sons? Where are the daughters? And in the middle of this creation, the father is answering that cry. And I just saw it so clearly in my spirit. So to make this meeting legal, I'm going to open up the Bible with you. And I want you to follow me with some of the verses. I even have my reading glasses. And by the way, I am not upset or I'm not. I am just very intense. And I feel on the inside, I'm about to explode on the inside. But it is just this fire that is burning. And, and I do want to repent, even before my family. There was a season for me that there was probably not a week without leading somebody to Jesus. And then sometimes what is happening in life, I mean, you go on trips around the world and you see the harvest and everything else. But just as a lifestyle, I also used to be so sensitive because even when I'm looking at COVID-19 and the horrific statistics, and I'm looking at those people that are suffering, we've lost two people because of COVID-19 that we know. But we know there's many other people that has been lost in the middle of it. And I'm thinking about, did they know Jesus? And keeping this eternity in mind and I'm seeing this and then I realized I was looking last night and feeling this pain as people, both healthy and not healthy, are dying of COVID-19. For me, are they meeting Jesus when they are closing their eyes? Do they know Jesus or did somebody represent to them a God that looks like Jesus? Did they have an encounter with Jesus? So these things started to burn and then the father whispered to me and he says, Leif, since COVID-19, which is a major injustice, there's a thief who comes to kill, steal and destroy. I came to give life and life more abundantly. So make sure that you come in. So this attack that is going on, I'm just sensing this kind of a thing in my spirit. But he also said, while that has been going on, 44 million people have entered eternity and they've never once heard the name of Jesus. 
And for me, that started to touch my spirit. I just realized that all over the world right now, as I'm saying that there is people, and I was thinking about one lady. I keep her in the front of me in my office. I call her Layla. My daughter is Lila, but hers is spelled with a Y. And Layla, when she wakes up in the morning, she's a Pashtun. The Pashtun lives on the border of Pakistan and Afghanistan. There's about 33 million of them. And if you go on the other side of Afghanistan, it is the largest people group in Afghanistan. About 11 million people, they are living there. If you took and met Layla, she would be, she only see one wall. She wouldn't be around in public. She have these, you can see a little bit of her eyes. She actually came to a meeting, sneaking into the meeting. There was an illegal meeting for her to go as a woman. But she was desperate because she had sickness and pain. And she heard that somebody said that this Jesus that she thought was just a mere prophet, this Jesus is going to be in the meeting. She never heard about this Jesus, but the doctors couldn't help her. Nothing could help her. And when she came to the meeting that, late that night, that's when I met her. And it was in the end of 1995. And that lady actually changed my life. If you were saying to me the day before, I went to Guatemala and Romania. I'd just been to South Africa. I've been to a lot of nations of the world. But I didn't capture these important things on the Father's heart. And this is one of those paradigm shifts that I hope that we are going to capture today. Because I do believe that there's a tsunami wave of love coming from this place. And it's going to be four waves. One is going to come from here and it is going to touch our city and the region. One is going to touch our Jerusalem. The other one, our, our Judea. Then our Samaria. And that's connected what is happening on Saturday in Clarkson. That's the Samaritans because since we didn't go there, God is sending them here. They're becoming my neighbors. Soon I don't even have to go over there any longer. I'm so excited. <laughs> Just in our neighborhood, we have a Brahmin on one side, Hindu. We have a Buddhist right here. Two houses down there is a Muslim. Then we have a Jew. That's just in my little neighborhood. The world is being sent to us and instead we are complaining. We were supposed to go to the world. And now since we are not going, he's sending them to us. And even there, we have an opportunity to love well. But Leila, that night, and I never forgot it because it was the first time I saw a creative miracle. That was not Leila, but it was a group of radical Muslims coming towards us. And I'm a young Norwegian, 1995, I'm sure I'm going to die. As this group was just chanting and coming closer and closer. And I'm up on the stage thinking about Jennifer, thinking about family, I'm, I'm about to die. And then I realized the closer they came, I saw this person in the middle of them doing like this. And there's no muscles and anything else, it's like skin and bone. And I realized later on, because they came up on the stage and then with a translator testify that their friends had taken their quadriplegic friend. These Muslim friends put him on the top of a, on a stretcher, on the top of a bus for seven hours because there was no room in the bus. They put him on the top and they were holding him for seven hours on the bus. Brought him to the meeting and when he came to the meeting, the presence of Jesus, during the meeting, the waves of his presence just was coming over him. And he started to feel strength. I started to move for the first time in his life. He stood up from that very place in a matter of about 45 minutes of the presence. He stood up and he walked for the first time. And all these radical Muslims that they came up on that stage. They stood up there and says that Jesus did this. And in the next 24,000 Muslims said yes to this Jesus. That was my first. 
I had been fishing all night, getting very little, and then Jesus says, I have another way of fishing. And there's more fish than we can handle. I will never forget about that person, but as Layla was the lady, late same night was the one that captured my heart. Because late that night, Layla was one of the ones in the line that stood there and story after story of testimony, cancer disappeared, blind eyes open, eyeballs, where it was just white, God created, created miracles. Uh, I had made, maybe seen a few headaches before. And then uh, when Layla came there, she opened up, and that's the picture I have in my office, she opened up that veil, the burqa, she's opening up and I'm looking at this round, beautiful face. She's had a rough life and I can see it. And she says, with my translator, she said, I, I prayed a prayer and I received Jesus. And I'm like, yeah. And then she said, I also got healed. I got healed today. My body, I got healed. And I'm like, yeah. And then from the joy of her salvation, suddenly tears came in and sadness. And I'm like, she said, uh, uh, how, how long have you known about this Jesus? And I was thinking, my country, Norway, I have a newspaper article. My country, Norway, we just celebrated 1,000 years. It was 1,000 years since Christianity came to Norway. And I was trying to, that's all I can think about. I, as long as I've known, I've known about Jesus. My parents, my grandparents, I mean, I've known about Jesus all my life. Like, don't everybody? And then from there, she said, uh, if you have had Jesus for so long, why didn't you come earlier? Why didn't you come earlier? My, my husband, he died last year and, and he never got to hear about Jesus. He didn't know about this Jesus. And my son died of cancer two years ago. He never got to hear about Jesus. What's going to happen to them? I, I heard the news that I get to go to heaven, but what's going to happen to my family? What's going to happen to 33 million Pashtun that has never once heard the name of Jesus? And I got wrecked. I didn't have any excuse. I, I could try to change my theology. I could start, but I had this wrestling match and I never forgot her. And at that moment, I don't mind feeding the first row. I don't mind uh, going from meeting to meeting and conference to conference and blessing people and bless me, touch me, fill me and feeding the same. But I've made a commitment and that is the first thing I'm putting into my calendar. The people in the back row that has never once heard the name of Jesus. Let them at least once hear Jesus before somebody hear twice. And that started the shift in my life. And God is bringing this first love back again to my life. And it's been tough. It's been hard. It's not been easy. But that's why I'm so grateful for a great church. But I thought I wanted to share my heart with you today. I wanted just to be honest. I have a lot of scars in this body. My wife has paid a tremendous price. She paid a price with our kids who were small. And I drove off. And I didn't know if I was going to come back. Or she's getting a call, I tried to call her. 500 guys with machine guns are showing up in a garden and couldn't get hold of her. And then she heard the news just on the answer machine. 500 guys with machine guns are coming and they're coming to kill me. I'm trying to escape the country. And she doesn't hear anymore for, I can't remember, 24 hours. That's not a good way, uh, by the way. Let me give wisdom to you men. Don't leave those kind of uh, messages on the answer machine. <laughs> That's wisdom 101. <laughs> but in this incredible, incredible journey, and uh, 
So let me put some scripture verses because last night I just, <laughs> it became so amazing to be. Revelation chapter five. I, I just want us to take us into the future because we're going to capture these three questions today. I want us just to capture a moment into the future. It's looking so bright. You're going to need sunglasses. S-O-N. And that's including you ladies. And I'm not saying it is not going to be dark. I'm not saying it's not going to be bumpy. I'm not going to say that it's shaky. You're going to see both things as we're moving into the next season. But in the middle of all of that, how do I know? How do I know how this is going to end? Because I have read the book of ending. It's called Inside Trading. Listen, psst. in Wall Street, it is illegal, but not in the kingdom. Let me just give you some good news. It started well and it ends well. It started with a family and it ends with a family represented from every nation, tongue and tribe. It started with a garden and it ends with a garden city. It begins with God in the beginning, God, Genesis 1.1, and it ends with God. And if you just take two threads throughout all scripture, covenant and kingdom, family and the mission of that family and go to all scripture. But I wanted just to go to the ending and then we can start to say, ah, as a better family where we are right now and the next couple of steps where we're gonna go from here, we know how it is going to end. And it's a whole different way of living and loving when we start to see this is what God is doing. This is the time we're living in. And here's where I get to wake up in the morning. And for some of you, that's maybe giving that $10 as a seed towards somebody. Or for somebody else, it's something different. But every single one of us, you're going to have the mission virus. And it's going to be contagious. And it's going to be much greater than the COVID-19 virus. And it's... Goodness pandemic is going to spread the world so that the world is going to see how good Papa God is and every person is going to see how loved they are. And if I were the devil, I know what I will do. Distract us. So let's look at Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. It says, you are worthy. Say, you are worthy. Who is worthy? Jesus. He is worthy. You are worthy, Jesus. To take the scroll and to open up its seals. For you were slain and have been redeemed to us by your blood. Out of every tribe, so every tribe, and tongue, and people, and nation. And have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. So when all of this is over, Wow. When we're all going home, where are we heading? A place where we are going to gather to him and you're going to find actually they couldn't find anyone in the verses before that was worthy to open this up. And in a moment, John on the island of Patmos in the spirit he saw, oh, there is that lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. But the more he started to look at the lion, it became a lamb and realized the lamb is worthy. The lamb is worthy. Jesus, the lamb, is worthy. And this is what leads to this. That purchase the price from every nation, every tongue, every tribe, and every language. Why is this important? Let me just help you for a moment. When we are thinking about, and we're going to look at the Great Commission in a moment, where Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. How much authority has been given to Jesus? Let's try that one more time. In Matthew 28, verse 18, it says that all authority has been given to me. How much authority has been given to Jesus? How much has been given to the devil? Okay. So Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Now, therefore, you go and you disciple nations. 
I know in Mark 16, you disciple people. But here, the calling in the Great Commission is that we go and we disciple nations. As we baptize them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. I believe we immerse them into family, Father, Son, Spirit. You have water baptism, spirit baptism, and love baptism. That opens up for the Agape Reformation. And out of being immersed into family, you teach them all the things that I have commanded you. And then the byproduct of that, I'm going to be with you all. I'm going to be with you every step, every moment to the end of the age. So the promise is, he has been given all authority. The last word, and if you're going to name my sermon something today, it will be, Jesus' last command, our first priority. Say that with me. One more time. I have sit with people right in the end before they are dying and they have told me, could you tell this to my son? I know that Daniel Colenda He's just doing a YouTube where he's like, here's the last words that Rainer Bunker gave to me. What would be some of the last words that Billy Graham would give perhaps to Franklin Graham and his family? There's something about the last words that somebody is giving. And here's the last words that Jesus, he knows he's going to go home to the Father, but he's going to tell them something. This is part of the last words that he wants them to be left with. His last, his last command has become our first priority. It is not that a lot of other things is wrong. We just need to make sure that the main thing is the main thing. And as a result of that, our responsibility is to go and it's easy for me to stay. And this is just honest family time. Uh, I went to a psychologist in this area after struggling a little bit earlier in the year. And I... The psychologist was working with me on some different thing because my life is a little complex. How many of you realize it? <laughs> my wife knows it is complex. I know Leanne and Sonia and, and the people working with me knows my life is complex. So it's this tension that I'm living with. And so I was just sitting there with a psychologist and finally I think the psychologist felt, I, I got a solution for you. I mean, according, you could do six conferences and events, making a nice six-figure conference, selling books like crazy, doing a couple of mission trips around the world, and enjoying just being home and enjoying all the blessings. And the psychologist didn't realize, and instead of me getting more and more joy, I started to get depressed. And I just realized because on the inside, I knew there was something of me. And I felt that last night when I started then to looking at, I was created for to make a difference. I was created to be out there. I was created. That's what I was born to do. And what's happening sometimes for me is just it, when I suddenly am not able to do what I'm, I love to do, that's when I go through some of those struggling. And I do believe that a lot of the cure for a lot of our issues is also that when, when an alcoholic, the people, I have a friend is part of Alcoholic Anonymous. One of the first things he does when he struggles, I feel like I have to drink again. The first thing they say, it's step 12 in AA. It is, I'm finding another drunk to start to love on him and minister to him. And I believe there's something with us, not talking about performance. I am talking about passion. I'm talking about love. I think there's something about us because we were born for a mission. We were born to join him in his mission, in something that he was doing. The purpose of the Holy Ghost was a holy goal. Let me say that one more time. 
The purpose of the Holy Ghost was a holy go. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you and I can be a Jesus witness, starting in our Jerusalem, at your workplace, where God has placed you, in your Judea, America, Georgia. We're going to be a witness, a Jesus witness, in our Samaria, the foreigners God has sent to America, and to the uttermost part of the world. So how much power do we have? And I believe one of the biggest cure for the powerlessness is joining God in his mission. Joining God in what he is doing. Joining God in what he is blessing. And there's an excitement that starts to take place for us as a church when we adopt the unreached people group. When we have decided that black hole in heaven is going to be filled up. And that can be with a Brahmin in Nepal where there's actually room now for about 1.3 million of them in heaven. And we as a family here is going to make a difference there. Do you know what is going to happen with us from our children to our youth, to our family when we start to pray about that or going over on a vision trip and suddenly you're going to start to see the rain coming here. I don't know if you capture that. But the light that shines the brightest there is the one that will be affected the most here. And there's a connection with how much power and I'm not here to sell anything about the least, last, lost. Let's look at a couple of more verses. Ah. Revelation chapter 7. After these things, this is verse 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all the nations, tribes, people, and tongues, they are standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and they're crying with a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to a God who sits on the throne and he sits on the Lamb. Let me put this in a very, very simple way. What time are we living in? Can you still see on the video and for people online? If I'm coming down, I just feel like I, I need to be close. I've already had COVID, so I have the antibodies. So that means I can hug people. So if you need a hug, I'm safe to hug. If your love tank needs to come up. And this is not, I want you to know, by the time we're finished in 10 minutes, it's not that you're going to feel here is another weight on us. No, there's something that's going to be lifted off you. Something's going to be lifted off, and this is not going to be pressure. He says, ask of me, and I will give you the nations. The nations is not the problem to be achieved, but promises to be received. Atlanta is not the problem, but a promise. He says, ask of me, and I will give it to you. It is just learning how to receive cities and nations. It comes from him, it goes through him, and back to him. So in the middle of what is taking place and just sensing this incredible burning. What time is this? And with a mission board, I had an opportunity to kind of give him a little bit of a bigger picture from history of where we're at in time. But we are, as I saying, in the middle of a major shaking. And I just wanted to say for any one of you that have suffered in this season, the pain from what's happening, there was three winds that started two years ago and God started to actually stir up some of the injustices that's been gone on. 
You saw the Me Too movement. You have seen the Black Lives Matter movement. You have seen what's going on with Corona. There's just, there's things of injustice that's happened and God started to send in some wind to expose some of the things that has been there. Allowing some of that come so that we can respond in the right way. What is he going after? Unity. What is it going? Why is the enemy so afraid? Oh, they wear a mask. I don't. And where is all of this coming from? The enemy comes to divide. The orphan is coming to divide. The sons and daughters unite. And honor is what love looks like. And I feel very, very sorry. And I'm sensing this pain in my heart when I see some of the division that has taken place because I'm seeing what the father is doing. He's bringing his family together. And the way we love one another, that's how Atlanta, that's how the world is going to see who we are because we've learned how to love well. And all of this is just a training for reigning program. It is how we respond because when you get squeezed, what's in you comes out. And when you're suddenly full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness... And I've experienced that, uh, the book Healing the Orphan Spirit, and I really do believe it is a key. And I'm not saying that for you to sell, but if you're a businessman, buy that for your employees, and you're going to see an upgrade in your business. But I feel with that orphan heart and the orphan spirit, and I felt it constantly this season, this cry of Jesus, I will not leave you as an orphan. I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. John 14, 18. When Jesus is crying those words, it's because the Father is crying those words. Because all Jesus did is what he see his Father do. And all he said is what he heard his Father say. And he didn't want us to operate any longer as orphans. We're not coming here for visitation, but habitation. Sons and daughters of glory is about to be revealed. This earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as water covered the seas. Congratulations. Let me just say it in a very simple way. You and I are the second most important generation in world's history. The most important was when Jesus showed up 2,000 years ago. And we are the second most and I can prove it. But imagine if you lived back, we talked about the three wise men, they were wise to find Jesus. And I should give. But a lot of people, they didn't understand the time and they did not know what to do. Imagine a 12-year-old boy that runs home to mama and says, mama, mama, I don't want to play with Jesus anymore. He always thinks he is right. <laughs> or if you imagine a 14-year-old boy that he suddenly next moment is playing ball and Jesus is on the other team and it's like playing against God himself. Well, I want to ask Mary when I get to heaven, how was it the first time you changed the diaper of God? I'm using a little humor in this, but there's a lot of people, there was a small little group that captured the moment, the divine moment, the, the Kairos moment they were living in. And we are the second most important time in world's history. We are the only generation for over 2,000 years that can finish the unfinished task. We have everything that is needed. We have all the technology the only thing he's waiting for is for the family to come together and for us not to operate as orphans and orphanages any longer. And so in the middle of all the shaking that is going on, that's going to be the result of it. And that's part of the reason I'm here is for us to have a fresh baptism of love, getting ready because so many of us, we've been trying to ride a previous wave while there's a tsunami wave coming. And it's time for you not to take your surfing board and prepare yourself for the next wave. And it is an agape reformation coming. How do I know? Because I've read the book of ending. 
It started with a family and it will end with a family represented from every nation, tongue, tribe and language. And you and I, we get to be part of it. I don't know if that excites you. That we get to be right in the middle. So in the middle of all this shaking, I'm going through it. My COVID lungs is getting more and more cleared up. But it's been a very, very tough year, but in the middle of all of that, letting go of the things for the next season, preparing myself for the next wave that is coming, learning actually here now to honor well in the middle of all the dishonor, making sure that my social media represent good news, that each one of us, we are reflecting how a papa looks like, but I'm looking at you and I. And I have this desire and this heart is for the family to come together and even in this season to be able to, wow, become worshipers in spirit and in truth. Because what you worship, you become like. Let me say that one more time. What you worship, you become like. And when you start to worshiping Jesus, you become like Jesus. And what you become like is what you will reflect and release to the world. So say, what time is it? We are the generation that have an opportunity to finish the unfinished task, to take the gospel to every nation, to see city transformation. Oh, I dream of the time when I'm just going to come with an airplane into Atlanta and chronic pain cannot live in our city. The stage four cancer cannot live because if Solomon experienced it in 1 Kings 5.4, there was rest on all sides and no adversary and not one evil occurrence in a lesser covenant that we have, then imagine coming inside the airport of Atlanta, stage four cancer have to leave. Marriage is being restored. Prosperity is happening. No more poverty. No more black and white and different color. We're just one family that reflect the beauty and the splendor. And that's one of the things I love here. Part of the reason this is my home is because it reflects the diversity and the beautiful diversity of sons and daughters where we celebrate one another, not to tolerate one another, where we complete one another, not compete with one another. And if you're struggling, I'm struggling because we are family. Kaylee, who's back there at the book table, we were leading a team and she was leading from GMA to Philippines. I think there was a few people from our church. But for two days, they went out. I ended up with a migraine headache. And I was so excited to go to the prison, but I couldn't, so I had to stay at home. But our team went out, and 100%, I want you to hear, 100% of everyone they prayed for got healed in two days. Over 530 people. And the reason I'm saying that is because if we can just be a family here, the immune system, it's happened twice, the immune system of the body can be so healthy. When love starts to operate, you need to know cancer divides, love unites. So the cancer cell, so when there becomes such a love in the atmosphere, even if you touch just the hem of the garment, you're getting close to the property, there will be this presence of his glory that will just start to heal people and restore marriages. I'm dreaming with you, family. And I know many of us, we're tired. It's been a long war and a long fight and then there's the battle you fight after the battle you won and the enemy is using fatigue say fatigue then fear say failure and then forsaken then he tried to isolate you in the middle of all that is going on and that's why it's so important come even if you don't feel like it connect open up to someone share life
because in a moment I can help you to hold up the rod of God when you are tired. You did it with me during the COVID-19, with my shoulder surgery. People have been with me and says, don't give up, Leif. Let us hold up your arms in this season. And we're going to do that for one another. What is God doing in our generation? First of all, we're seeing a unity like we've never seen before. Second of all, he's restoring family. There's about a billion names about to be added to the Lamb's Book of Life. And you've heard a dream about the one billion soul harvest. But God doesn't want a billion orphans. He wants a billion sons and daughters. So he's just waiting for that outpouring. And he's now restoring family, healthy family. And he's doing that all over the world. So he's restoring healthy kingdom family. And first it is us coming home. And then there's going to be a wave that's going to touch the wall, and they're going to come home with a glorious, glorious homecoming. And then from there, there's going to be a tsunami wave of love that is going to touch the least, last, lost. The light will penetrate darkness, but the glory will penetrate gross darkness. And it's going to be more about glory management than sin management. And we're going to go from glory to glory because the starting point is sons and daughters in glory because you are glorious. So we're going to see an outpouring you have never seen before, but I'm saying that because in the middle of it, there's the shaking. And he's going to take and get rid of shame, fear, and guilt. And he's going to restore you back home. Say home. You can have a beautiful house and not have a home. But a place of security. Say security. A place of love. Say love. A place of value. Say value. A place of purpose. Say purpose. And then affirmation, say affirmation. And I just bless you to be you. Don't be a copy, be an original. And I bless you to be fully you in this season. And I believe with all of my heart what God is doing and it's part of the reason here. For me, there's something burning. Not just the Pashtun, the thumb 30 million. Not just the Brahmin in Nepal, but around the world. Everywhere I go from this very moment on, I'm going to, Give an adoption paper to a church. And so I want you to adopt a group of people that you don't know. That is totally mission impossible. That you can't do it. The first thing that's going to happen is we need to pray. Second of all, we're going to need the Holy Spirit. Third of all, we're going to need one another. And the other thing is we're going to get healed from all kinds of things. When we start to focus there, God starts to focus here. There's things that I need to happen in my body for me to be able to do it. And all the wholeness, Jesus, the Prince of wholeness is about to come and minister to us. And sometimes I say, well, if you heal me from all this, then I can go. He said, now, if you go, I'm going to heal you from all that. And that doesn't mean everybody will go on a plane to Pakistan. But from this very place, you can touch Pakistan and you can touch the world. So where do you fit in? Where do you fit into God's plan? Where do you fit into God's purpose? Where do you fit into God's family? What is your special sauce? What is your uniqueness? What do you bring to a family table? That was some good questions. So what is Blake's special sauce? When I then start to honor Blake, suddenly I start to see things I didn't see before. When I started to honoring Steve Hale, when you start to honor one another, what you honor, you have access. So Lauren have something I don't have. Steve have something I don't have. Lindy have something I don't have. And when I start to lean my heart and have that wow effect, seeing Lindy the way Papa God sees her, suddenly I start to dream in a way I didn't dream before. That doesn't mean I'm Lindy. I'm just, we have access to the family account. So you're not alone any longer to have to figure this out. There's someone within the family. And when their stock goes up, your stock goes up. Orphans will say, why did that happen with them and not me? Why did he get healed and not me? 
that sons and daughters starts to celebrate because when you get a breakthrough, I got a breakthrough. I know we have to honor this time. I think we're gonna just stand to our feet. But I sensed there was a prophetic. I just wanted to share a little bit on my heart with you in this season. There is something that is burning and there is a mission virus. I want to get back again to, whoa, even the time that I'm at home. I think it was my friend Randy Clark that talked about these coons dogs that, coon dogs, my wife says. <laughs> that they were created to hunt, but when eventually you keep them in a cage, what they start is to fight with one another. And it is some other fighting that we have is we've forgotten about the hunting. So when I'm in Atlanta, I'm, I'm gonna get back in from the homeless. If you're a prison ministry, I want you to join you. If you're a part of that, I'm gonna invest my time and I'm gonna be there on that December 19 up there. I need to be there because I'm hungry. I'm hungry and I know the best way that I get more is just starting, not performance, it's a passion thing. I hope you see it. I don't have to do something, that's the orphan, that I have to do something to have something to become. No, I am, I am. And because of who I am, I already have. And because of what I have, I do. It's a whole different way. So this is not duty, it's delight. I want you just to hold out your hands for a few moments. and It's one of those messages that I know that some of us are trying to figure out how to pay bills. And other ones is just maybe like myself coming out of this COVID. Just being hit and hit again. And now suddenly we're talking about a world and you have a world that you're living in. And, but I felt as we're moving towards this Christmas season, third advent, I felt that there was a box for each one of us. And I was wondering, Jesus, I saw it when I was sitting. And I was wondering, what is this box? And Jesus says, I have a gift for each one. And I want you to put your hand on your heart for a second. And I want you just even to ask your heart what it feels. Some of you are tired. Some of you are a little overwhelmed. Could be finances, burden. I have a big one that just came right before the service. And I just feel like what Papa God is inviting us. He says, all of those things, come to me, all of you who are weary, weary and heavy laden because I'm going to give you rest because my burden is easy and my yoke is light. So whatever is going on in your heart, even when you're hearing the message, some of you even feeling this thing of, here's something more I have to do. <laughs> I cannot even do what, no, 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 that's not what it is. It is an invitation to join Papa God He's up to something very beautiful. And he's inviting us to find that resting place. Not going out and do things for him. We get to do things from him. We receive so that we become, so that we can release. Now I want you to take that heart, anything that you're carrying, and I want you to put that in this box. It was like a beautiful box. Just symbolically speak, take your arm and put that into the box. Just for a moment. Into that box. So suddenly, if that's fear, that relationship, that person with COVID that you're praying for, just, and then in the next moment, I just saw he was wrapping that box and Jesus was just taking his box and he was taking care of that box. He was taking care of your burden, your pressure, your finances. All of, he is taking care of that now. And then I saw him giving you a box. 
And in that box, I want you to ask him, what are you putting in that box, Jesus? And for me, there was two things I heard, love and peace. But ask him, what? Because he had a gift for you. Just feel it for a second. Yeah. <laughs> and I want you just to take some of you just joy. I heard somebody hope, 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 hope deferred and made your heart sick. But you start to dream again and desire again. It is the tree of life. I want you to take that heart and put it in. Place that heart of love and peace for me. That's a beautiful trade. And then let us just hold up our hands. And let's just say, thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. We give you honor. We give you glory. We give you praise. Father, I just ask even now that the mission virus in our church will be contagious. I ask that we are going to be known as Bethel Atlanta. I thank you for the worship. But the fuel of that worship is going to be a fire for the nation. Steve just, I think, was mentioned a fire or just mentioned a fire earlier. But I feel even myself, there's this fire burning. And it is the flames of love. The flames of love, the fire of love. It is a love that makes you burn and burn and burn. But without being burned out. Because it is his love you're burning. So I bless you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.